if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Joining me on the show today, I have Alexandra Roxo. Alexandra is an artist, best-selling author, podcast host, transformational coach, and teacher. She's been featured as a guest speaker on many renowned podcasts and on TV, including Vice TV's Slut Ever, Epic's Sex Life Show, and at numerous festivals and events worldwide. She's also been featured in the New York Times, Harper's Bazaar, and InStyle Magazine for her work with women. Some of you may have seen her sharing her magic most recently on the Netflix series, too hot to handle. Today, we'll be talking all about feminine embodiment, transformation and healing, and how to fuck like a goddess. Just saying that sounds so delicious. I hope y'all enjoy the show. Uh, Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on to that sex check. I know that this is going to be one of the juiciest conversations that I get to have this year. Thank you and welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, an hour and a half on my calendar. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's going to be fun and I hope it's going to be inspiring on, on a lot of different levels. And hopefully I'm going to get in here and ask some questions that maybe you haven't been asked before. I kind of take that as a little bit of a fun challenge whenever I have guests come onto the show. You know, my, my partner and I record a lot. My team and I record a lot. And I've just gotten to this place where I 
you know, I could just bring guests on to bring guests on, but I really want to bring guests on that I feel connected to their message and their mission in a, in a personal way, because I feel like a lot of our audience really resonates with either myself, my partner, our team members. We all have a little bit of a different story going on. And with you, I am so excited for, and I feel so blessed, you know, because I am going to get to learn from you in this conversation. Oh, thank you. And I love the idea of being asked questions that I'm not usually asked. Um, cause sometimes it can be like, you know, the run of the mill stuff, which I understand also is necessary, but yeah, let's, let's go to new places. My audience will also, I think, appreciate that. Great. Well, to kick us off, I'm going to ask you a question. You've probably been asked on every podcast you've ever done. Okay, <laughs> Let's start slow. You know, we don't want to get too crazy yeah, right yeah. off the bat. <laughs> it builds. So a little bit of your background and how you've gotten where you are now with a book titled Fuck Like a Goddess, appearances on shows like Too Hot to Handle, running moon rituals, circles, and all of this magical woman that you are now. Let's hear the, the your personal build up. Okay, cool. Um so from a pretty young age, I wanted to be an actor and a performer and a writer. And I felt very passionate about women's stories to the extent that when I was in, I think, second grade, I wanted to audition for the part of Anne Frank because I was so resonant with like this girl's story and how she had overcome such deep suffering. Right. And I was like, I had no idea at the time what a Jewish girl might look like and that I didn't look like her. So I went in for like the audition and here I am with blue eyes and freckles and I was heartbroken. I was like, why didn't I get the part? But anyway, uh, I've had a passion for women's stories specifically from a very young age and also for speaking up on behalf of healing and uh, human suffering and the path of the artist, the writer, the performer, the poet that always has spoken to me. I'm a Pisces. My, I'm a Pisces in the 10th house. So it's in the house of, you know, career being seen in that sort of sensitive, um, poetic artistic self. And that has just morphed over the years. So I've made movies. Um, my first movie was about feminine archetypes and goddesses. And maybe when I was 23, um, my web show was called be here now ish, which was really fun. And I made two seasons of about 10 years ago, made work for vice, all kind of investigating the things I care about, the spiritual path, feminine archetypes, um, female experience, sexual trauma, like all of these themes that I've just always been like, why, why does this, what is this? <laughs> what is this? And I, when I was about 19, I got really interested in why the feminine was written out of the greater collective narrative when it came to a lot of the big decisions and when it came to religion and spirituality. So I really became studious and curious in the space of um, the goddess, the divine feminine, my body, uh, coming back into my body, deconditioning myself and releasing myself from all of the things that I had learned growing up in Georgia and Florida and growing up like a very Christian, very like, you know, traditional setting. That being said, my father was from Brazil, is from Brazil. So I also had this uh, very different approach to understanding my body, my femininity, my sexuality when I um, lived in Brazil in the summers with my dad. So all of this kind of created more of a life thesis than I would say like a career path. Like for me, it was and still is about understanding the path of being embodied as a woman in these times and what's necessary for me 
and for us in terms of healing and awakening um, and resurrecting parts of the feminine experience and soul. So that has gone in the direction of, you know, my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, my podcast, Holy Fuck, uh, leading retreats with women, um, speaking on several different TV shows and teaching. So I look at it more as like my heart's calling has led me to um, explore that in many different areas versus going, hey, I chose one career and now I'm in it. It's like, no, my path is to explore, to express um, my feminine heart in many different ways. And so that's it in a nutshell. That's 37 years in a nutshell. <laughs> no big deal. You've gotten really good at being very precise and concise with narrowing that down. <laughs> Thank you. I'm also Thank learning you. from that because every time somebody's, you know, I get on a show and they ask me this, like, how did you become that sex chicken? Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, well... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what do you want to know because my story will hijack the whole hour <laughs> yeah. yeah no if you want to read more read my book yes fuck like a goddess yes <laughs> yes if just for the fact that it's called fuck like a goddess i would read it just for that that is intriguing on so many levels and we'll get into that in a little bit but um i'm curious the the moments that really stood out where you realized that the life that you were living in the direction that you were going something needed to shift in some deep mm -hmm. way. What was that experience like? And what were some of those scenarios that were playing out in your life? Mm. So I had a big one of those when I sort of shifted from seeing my gifts, my heart's gifts, uh, translated in the Hollywood uh, TV and film space. And I was happy on that path. And I also felt like the more that I awakened to living, wanting to live like in a way where I was more free, you know, had less people kind of telling me what to do, um, depending on me to create income for them. Cause that's what happens. If you're an actor, producer, director, you have agents, you have managers, you have lawyers, and you're creating an income for all of them. And so, um, there are a lot of people that are telling you how you should be, look, dress, etc. Um, I didn't get into that too intensely, but enough that I was like, okay, I I can do this. I can stay um, me and stay like in my highest integrity in this world. And I felt the wobble of that at times, you know, like being invited into certain parties or having a producer say, Hey, dress sexy for this meeting. Okay. A female producer. Um, you know, all of these little things where you sort of compromise your integrity in small ways that add up to you feeling like you've leaned off your center. Mm -hmm. And so that was happening here and there. And at a certain point, um, actually life decided for me. It was like I had a television show that was we, we shot a pilot for and I was super stoked. And then the pilot didn't go to series. So for anyone who's a creator and you you get that far in, in the game, sitting in a room with like famous producers and they love your work and da, 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 da. And then it's like, oh, actually not. It happens all the time. Some people do 10 pilots before they get a show. But when we didn't get the show, me and my former collaborator, I was like, I don't know if this is my path anymore to keep kind of hustling in Hollywood. And um, I just like three or four people told me you should start supporting women. You do it naturally. You've been doing it for so long in all these different ways. And then I wrote a, the character in my web show, Be Here Now, on season two, when I wrote that she moved to LA, she became a coach. 
it was like I was writing from my subconscious. And if you had asked me at that moment, would I ever live that life? I would have said, hell no, that's super fucking cheesy. And like, no, this is, this is a satire. This is a comedy about like this girl who goes to LA and becomes a life coach. That's such a fucking cliche. Like I would never do that. But it was like my soul was speaking to me through my writing, which is so beautiful and so ancient, right? So when my show didn't go to series and both of the TV shows didn't go to series and I was kind of heartbroken and a bunch of my friends were like, you should start coaching. I was like, uh, does that mean I have to forgo being an artist and a writer and a performer? And they're like, no, you can do both. So I like took that leap and it was really in an ayahuasca ceremony that I, I kind of like heard the call that was like, do this now. Um, and I kind of got over my, my two coolness, which was, you know, took a while to be honest, because I really thought I was way too cool, um, and too special and too, too, you know, fancy mm-hmm. <laughs> to be a coach. But the funny thing is I didn't have to give up my fancy. <laughs> I could still be fancy and be a coach. Um, but that was back in, I think, 2016. Mm. Yeah. And after that, just doors kept opening for me. And I didn't have, and it, yeah, I didn't have to get rid of my artist or performer self. Funny enough, I was just on a TV show that was viewed by millions. And so it's kind of like the, the cosmic, like, little wink at me, like, right. hey, babe, you can still do your thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's so good. And it's so resonant on so many levels for me because I went through the same kind of like, what else can I call myself besides coach? Right. Let's Google this. I'm going to call myself a mentor. No, that's weird. Mentors are old. I'm going to call myself a teacher. No, I'm not a teacher. I hate school. Like it was just this back and forth. I'm an, I'm a writer. I was like, I'm a podcast host. I'm a this, that, and anything, but the thing that I actually was, was moved to do money. Mm-hmm. and then I was actually making money with absolutely and even that I, I went through a period of time where I was even uh, I could make money but I decided not consciously decided not to make money but like oh no I'm I'm gonna try and make it over here instead so that I won't become this thing and right. I'm gonna try and make it with my writing and the podcast and the sponsor and just with products and affiliates and I'm I'm gonna try and do all these other things and I'm just gonna give my gift for free and I'm not gonna cost my I'm not gonna call myself a coach. I had my own story. I know um, what's up with that. I don't know. I don't know. And now that I'm, uh, yeah, I've been doing this for like nearly five years now, and it is not for the faint of heart. Not everybody can do this. No. Mm-hmm. And do it well and do it where they make money and they and do it in a way, I mean, depending, everybody has different goals and everything, but to do it in a way that is not just re like creating your own box, like come out of one box, create another box for yourself right. and basically create a job for yourself. Exactly. Right. I mean, I think it's so cool to be honest and it's so revolutionary. It just needs a better name, but it's so revolutionary to say like the way that I support other humans doesn't fall under what the government says is right or what, you know, mainstream culture says is right. But I have faith, you know, and I, however that faith has been kind of uh, constructed through courses, teachers, whatever it is, right. but like it's so, it's so radical in a way, but I think because the coaching industry has a little bit of a bad rap, like mm-hmm. a little bit of some snake oil salespeople, sure. then it's, 
there's just like that hint in the air that I'm like, yeah, but I've had to get over it in this past year. I think I really sat with it and I was like, fuck this industry. I don't want to be a part of this. Like feel so cheesy and inauthentic. And I sat with it and I sat with it. And then I was like, but love so many women have been impacted by sitting with you. So many like, like, don't be too cool for that. Like keep, you know, like any industry is going to have, you know, it's shadow side. Duh. Like there's no way to escape that. So anyway, mm. I got over it. Yeah. Yeah. Most thousand, days, most thousand days, thousand but you know, mm-hmm. and it depends on where I am in my cycle and you know, what my mm-hmm. stuff is like the work that I'm doing, what it looks like and what it feels like and all of that, whether or not, you know, and, and, you know, I have lots of clients now that work with me. I have a program called sex coach prep school, which is kind of like, come to me and let me show you what this could be like instead Mm -hmm. of doing it maybe the way that I did it and just bumping into shit and which you will bump into shit. If you work with me too, uh, it's just, we're going to, I'm going to give you perspective while you do it so that you can, you know, that can kind of guide you in your direction a little bit. And I'm still sharing like this thing that you're feeling I'm X amount of years in and I'm still going through it. I'm still sitting in meditation with it. I'm still taking a gram or two of mushrooms and going into a field and going and sitting with it. And I'm still, I'm, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. And the universe is like, I get to learn this fucking shit again. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I so feel you. And I, I had a program last year of a group of women. I think it was like 35 women who sat and trained with me and like worked with, you know, I, I didn't want to call it like a, coaching training program, but it was really helping them become facilitators, coaches, however they wanted to call themselves. I was like, look, you guys get to decide. I'm not going to like say, do this, do this, but it was so beautiful to walk them through all of the, the, the hurdles that arise and the insecurities and the fears and the imposter things and all of it. And also to say, yeah, and I still feel this just like you did. And um, that was intense. A few people have been like, when are you going to do that again? I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm taking a while, like holding that many women in the depth of that. It, it was called initiation in the program, yeah. but holding them in the initiation of stepping into leadership and just space holding was just a lot, especially during your COVID. I was like, yeah, but we did it. We sure. did it. We did it. Because you're not only holding them through their own individual and personal journey, but you're also that transition into now I'm going to be open in my community, whether that's online or in person yeah. or with my family or my friends, and I'm going to want to lead and show them a different way too. And um, one of Jordan's mentors, actually, um, his name is Brandon Hawk, and he was a he was the pastor of a mega church who went on an ayahuasca retreat and then didn't go back to the church. Whoa. And his story is fascinating. He, he does have a book. It's called you, I think. Um, but he's incredible. And, um, what's really interesting. We're getting married. Like I mentioned, we're getting married in October and we're going to have him do the blessing at the wedding because we know it's going to be such a blend and a mixture of, you know, I also grew up with very Christian Catholic roots. My partner did too. His grandparents were the pastors of a charismatic Christian church where they like slang the spirit and fall over with holy laughter. Love, and, <laughs> and to look at who we are now is nothing short of a miracle. So yeah, we really wow. think that uh, him blessing our ceremony and blessing our wedding is um, a concept that we've been, we've, t- we've been talking about a lot is the idea of transcendence and that it's not... 
uh, I am above the thing that I was, or I'm above this thing. It's a, it's a, I'm taking this thing with me. I'm integrating this thing and I am uh, mm. going to the next level with it. It's not a leaving behind. Well, and that's so beautiful. We're, yeah. um, we're, we've just been, you know, get prepping to do the marriage thing. And then in the next year, the whole family thing, we've just got, we're noodling on a lot of unique concepts. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh my God, it's beautiful. They're unique for us anyway. But, um, but, I was like, what am I talking about, Brandon? Oh, Brandon, um, he's one of Jordan's mentors and he says, joke, threat, teacher. And I don't know where it comes from, but you have to be willing to be the joke at first Mm. where you, the inner critic, and then it's the outer people who don't understand what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. This is, this is a sham. Who do you think you are? Um, They're threatened. So you Mm -hmm. are the the joke first, like laughing at you. This is what what, what the fuck are you doing? And then the second thing is a threat. And I go, oh, I am now, it's it's sheer projection. That whole process is projection. Now I'm threatened by you. You're actually doing something. And then the next phase is teacher. And then it's like, oh, that person now has softened a little bit. And is like, actually, you might be able to help me. And I think about people that I went to high school with, you wow. know, at first or in my like little town in South Louisiana, that at first it's like, where the fuck did this come from? And like, who does she uh-huh. think she is? And then like, hey, actually, my husband and I haven't had sex and haven't, we're having a lot of troubles and we're thinking that maybe you could help us. And it's like, whoa, look where you came from. But you have to be willing to go on the heroine's journey. Yeah. Climbing up that. And so for this initiation program, it sounds very similarly. It's like you're getting to hold them through the whole process. And that's really fucking big. Yeah. Super. Yeah. You cracked your um, audio cracked up for a minute. Funny word to say cracked up, but it kind of crackled for a minute. Could you hear yourself? Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. Yes. Maybe it was my connection or something. Could be. Um, Okay. You've also moved into a really beautiful new home in a new city and all of that. And so I'm imagining that on your side, whether it's Wi-Fi or sounds or airplanes or whatever that's on your side, it's all like, oh, look, there's another new thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's all new. I mean, I spent the last, like my adult life, 20 years or so living in cities in New York, LA, Portland, Seattle. And so now I've moved and I'm like staring at a gorgeous mountainside of pine trees across the way. And, you know, this is an expansion point for me. I'm like, oh, it's too quiet. Um, right. Bears. Like yesterday we're hiking and someone's like, just so you know, there's a bear up ahead. And I'm like, babe, what are we going to do? And he's like, nothing. We're just going to keep hiking. And I'm like, uh, so I'm already today. I'm put on my list. I'm like, gonna, gonna get some bear spray, some bells for my ankle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jordan, and I watch the show alone every now and then. And from what I gather, you're just supposed to clap really loud and say, Hey bear. Okay, great. Thank you. I don't know. I, I did. Go- I did Google it actually. But- I've also lived in cities. But that's what, that's what my partner said. He's like, they're more scared of you, love, you know, um, but still. Anyway, new things, right? Like living in in Greenpoint and Bushwick and the East Village and, you know, in Venice and LA, there's very uh, other types of threats or um, things that scare me, (laughs) let's say. We don't need to get into much more of that, but here is different. I'm like, okay, bears, no problem. Okay. Right. right. (laughs) But I can only imagine uh, what that will be like for you being that up close and personal with nature, because I, you know, I've listened to you on other podcasts and I have really enjoyed the, the threads that you go down talking about 
femininity and the feminine force and nature and all of that. And I would love to give my listeners a little taste of that magic and a little bit of that flow too, because I'm like Mm -hmm. thinking about your journey and thinking about where you are now. And like I said, a lot of it resonates on so many levels. And um, I'm sure that life's circumstances has presented you the next step, the next step, the next step. Right. And, and it Mm -hmm. seems as though a lot of this was in your stars and in your chart and destined Mm -hmm. to be, which is usually how Mm -hmm. it goes. Um, and then the things that you have learned and have been, uh, let's say naturally attuned to that mysticism, Mm -hmm. that magic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would love to hear a little bit more about that. What mysticism magic means to you, maybe even the moon, just nature Mm -hmm. as a whole. Yeah. Well, I feel that nature is such a portal for all of us to God, goddess, divine, like an, and a reflection of us, who we are, because nature has the seasons, the cycles, the death, the rebirth and modern, and and I'm not going to get too kind of um, heady political or, or sort of, you know, dogmatic or preachy or any of those things. So if I do people, sorry, but you know, modern (laughs) living, the Western capitalist mind that's focused on productivity actually is not um, in alignment with, with the way that I believe that the body and especially the feminine body flourishes and is most um, alive. So I, I work with a lot of women who come to me who are kind of living in, you could say, a little bit more of their ambition, power, success, go-getter. You could say a little bit more of a patriarchal masculine headspace who come to me and they're like, I want to soften. I want to feel, I want to like connect with my body. I want to feel my sensuality. Like I've lost touch. I'm like, so in the, you know, sun goes up, sun goes down, work all day, get things done, to-do lists, you know, all of this. and they're like, I don't even know how to slow back down to the cycles, to the seasons, to the moon. And for me, I look at the moon really in conjunction with like a, a lot of different traditions I've studied over the last 20 years. But right now it's resonating with me the most is through depth psychology. And that kind of the way one of my favorite depth psychologists writes about it, Marianne Woodman, is like that our external world and the more patriarchal world is our solar consciousness. And it's like, you know, how everything is manifested. It's the as above, right? And so the as below, if you're to kind of harken back or to that um, ancient axiom as above, so below, the so below is the lunar consciousness. It's, it's that which um, we can't always see. And it's that which was stamped out from the greater narrative, right? It's like the other, what happens in the dark what happens in the subtle realms. And that's where magic happens, right? That's where mysticism happens. And so if our modern way of living doesn't allow for that, and not only doesn't allow for that timing wise, but actually has strategically attempted to remove that from our greater narrative, then even the simple act of us coming into nature, taking our shoes off, taking a walk becomes a political act a radical act, a healing act, and a very feminine act at heart. Um, 
because there's a reverence even in just putting your feet on the earth. Not only is there actually been scientific, you know, studies that prove that blah, 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 you know, I don't, you can read all these things about um, how actually our our relationship to nature and being outside can affect our menstrual cycles, can affect our nervous system, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So for me as a woman, especially like getting in contact with nature is like the root of connecting to the mystical. And I I believe, and I talk about a lot of this in the, the beginning of my book, it's like, because the feminine body is like the representation of wildness and sex and the portal to God and the womb where life can come through and creativity. And there's so much mystery that we can't explain. And so that was really taken out of the greater narrative. And you can look at that, not only in women's bodies, but anything that was like other than the dominant, um, you know, narrative that was constructed. So for me, it's like the mysticism is in reconnecting to our bodies into the rhythms of nature as this, this source that's always there giving us so much information. And it's so funny because we look to every which away for how to explain life, why we're here, how to heal, how to live. But nature is just like all day showing us how to do it all fucking day. Yesterday, my my partner picked a bunch of flowers for me. He's like, so he, he picks me flowers all the time. It's really sweet. He'll stop the car and like pick flowers. So he stopped the car and picked flowers. And there are these gorgeous flowers that were like red on the inside with like little yellow tips. I forget, They're called like squaws something. Um, and we both looked at it and we're like, there's nothing else to know about life. But this is it look at this flower. Like there's nothing else to try to understand. Look at her. She's just like this gorgeous red, yellow tipped expression, just open and then she'll die. You know, and that's, it has to be so much more complicated, but like that brightness in us and humans has been, you know, greatly sort of impacted and conditioned and programmed and dimmed over time. So, I mean, I could talk about this for a long, because I've thought about it for many, many years, but on a whole, reconnecting with the body and nature is a huge part of my own mystical path. It's so good. Like it reminds me of when I picked up the great cosmic mother for the first time, the book. And Mm -hmm. I think it was around the time that I was picking, I picked up Rise, Sister Rise. So my word for 2020 was soften. I like mm. had the word come to me on, we were ringing in the new year. Little did I know what the year was going to actually entail. Right. And then my year, my 2021 word was wealth, but uh, 2020 is just, I just look back on it with these like sweet moments, you know, memories, because what did it really take for me to commit to softening why would I, why would that word come to me? So mm-hmm. I grow up in this world where mm-hmm. productivity is held. Like that's the main thing that you need to be living for and striving for. Be a good worker, be, mm-hmm. and be this high quality woman that uh, doesn't overly sexualize herself or her experiences and doesn't, and isn't a prude, this like weird in between. And get the man, do the house, go to college, but don't be too smart and don't get too attached to your career because you're going to be a mother. And there's all of this back and forth mixed messaging signals. And um, I 
learned through lots of personal development and going to all kinds of different retreats and workshops and then getting into plant medicine, all this stuff that, whoa, there's other ways to live and there's way more to life and wow, wow, wow. And, uh, I lived for six years on cruise ships and I traveled the world and I went to lots and lots of places and, uh, structure really ruled my life in a lot of ways because everything is a schedule on yeah. a ship. What and were you doing on the cruise ship? I you was performing in the cabaret or something. No, I was an art director, but I was always friends okay. with the people performing cool. in the cabaret. Yes. That sounds fun. And I'm sure so many tales, great TV show. Yes. The answer is yes. And at some point I will also write the book because, Please. because I, I realize in times where I start to talk with friends and, and I'm like, Oh yeah. And that one time when I was in Thailand and that one time when I was in Iceland and that one time when we were in Jamaica or whatever. And they're like, they're like, I feel like I need to, I like inadequate. I need to go and travel and go somewhere, you yeah. know, in order to, to keep up with you. Or like, you have a never ending, you know, a uh, pool of stories to come from, sea yeah. of stories come from it. Um, but anyway, it was one day, one day. Yeah. One day. Um, I have patience. I'm surrendered to that process too. Uh, but you know, making this shift then, so aha moments, but still on ships and then shifting into, you know what, I'm going to help people with this in some way, shape or form their intimacy and living life on their terms when it comes to their sexuality and infusing knowledge so that they can have confidence and make choices for themselves. But I basically, like I was telling you, I basically created a job for myself at first. And I started unconsciously imposing all of the same rules that I thought that I was, you know, steering away from, I created them for myself. And it was, it's so difficult, even up to a year ago, what does it really take to forge this path the way that I want to forge it? And the way that is, when I, and I think about my health and the things that have shown up in my health, even, and, Mm -hmm. you know, coming off of birth control and wanting to Mm -hmm. honor my cycle and wanting to just, just live in a different way. What does it really fucking take? And I thought, oh, well, I'll just go paint class and I'll just go sit in a women's circle and I'll just like go do these things. When in reality, what it took a lot of last year was just allowing pain and sadness to come up. Yeah. I know. <sighs> Trust me, I know. Yeah. It's like the softening, the places where we're hardened energetically, emotionally, and even physiologically in our nervous system, they're usually emotion that has never been moved through, that has been held. And it's like those moments in life where we held our breath, we pulled everything in, we tightened instead of allowing a huge release because we had to, our survival, our safety depended on it at times, especially when we're younger. You know, you can't do that in a school, in a classroom, you know, if you're feeling rejected or hurt or you can't just start crying in high school in the middle of math class or in the middle of church. You gotta be a good girl, you know? So imagine the years and years and years of holding it in. You we are taught to be disembodied from a young age. When we're taught to sit still and abandon our emotional experience and our physiological experience, like you can't go to the bathroom right now, you can't cry right now. We train ourselves to become disembodied. So if we train ourselves to do that over the course of, let's say, 18 years of life, that's an intense training. If if you were an athlete training over 18 years, all day, every day to do something, you'd become pretty good at it. 
So we become very good at abandoning our emotional selves, our spiritual selves, and even our physical body experience. So to be a woman who says, I want to come back online, I want to soften, I want to learn to in real time, feel what I feel and express it. That is a huge undertaking, huge, 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 huge. And women come to me and just like, okay, how do I do it? And it's like, honey, are you ready? Buckle your seatbelt because this is no small feat. And there are going to be a million moments where you're like, forget it. This is too much pain, too much sadness, too much heaviness, too much. I mean, it all comes and rises to the surface. And that's why if you you know, have gone on plant medicine journeys, or whatever, there's almost like, there's like an, un- it's like a drain in a way that like unclogs things. And so you get kind of like some big washes, but it can be very intense in a way where it's like, you know, you don't have to have a plant medicine experience to be able to kind of get back your feeling and embodied sense online, but just chipping away at it in a daily practice or with breath work. And it's like, it takes a while. You know, I've had women in my community and my membership and my retreats that have been coming for years and years. And they're so devoted because they felt what it feels like to feel connected to your heart and your body and to love essentially, which is at the bottom of all of that pain, there is a well of love. So once you begin to feel that, well, as a woman, I can soften all this other crap. I could drop out of my head and into my heart, my womb, my belly, and it actually can feel really fucking good under there. Once you taste a little bit of that, then like, you know, it's a worthy uh, effort to keep coming back, you know, but many, many humans and many women We'll never know what that feels like. There's a life in the head that is a life that says I am ignoring my feelings and my body all the time. And that's fine because I'm getting so much done, you know? And so it's it's a really a particular, I think, soul's calling to go, okay, I'm going to like put on my, my, my big girl boots and, and buckle up. And I'm going to like get dirty in the underworld of my psyche and my emotions. And I'm going to have to probably sit with a lot of stuff that I never I can't even remember, you know, it's like feelings. There's no story attached to those feelings. Just like if you're in a ceremonial experience or in a breath work, you're crying. It's not about a story. It's just about like the nervous system finally letting go, you know? So it's, to me, I'm incredibly devoted to this path. Like, even if it means I have to cancel a meeting sometimes because I need to honor my body's experience. Like, the woman who's been working with me as my queen of operations, we call her. Um, we've been working together the last four years and we both just know like, okay, around the dark moon or around either of our premenstrual time, like we have to lighten the load on our calendar. We have, like, we may have to go internal. We may, we may have to say like, I can't do anything like, um, and that's okay. You know, like we're not curing cancer. We're not performing brain surgery. So it's like, if we have to, to switch a meeting, everyone will be okay. <laughs> Fuck, every that whole bit was just gold. If the whole podcast was just that little section, it's what I wanted all of you who I'm in your ear holes right now. It's what I wanted you to hear. What mm. you just said is what it really takes in order to live this big, expressive, connected, to have the lust for life, not just the lust in general for your partner or a future partner or for yourself or whatever, but less for life, which I think is a big part of your book, even 
is like, what does it take to make love to the world around you to get fucked in all these different and unique ways? And my goodness, Mm -hmm. last year when I was going through it, there were times where it was just emotion that was coming up. And and I was working with one of uh, Jordan and I have a, a coach that we work with too. Her name is Annie Lala and she's in fucking credible. She's the most poetic person. Her metaphors, she just metaphor after metaphor and it just lands, mm. you know? And um, I remember when we first started working with her and the, the, the presenting emotion was anger mm-hmm. and she, her moment of under, under the anger is sadness and me mm-hmm. going, no, I'm angry. And then going, Oh, what am I sad about? And then my logical brain and this world that has formed me to like, I have to understand this, try to fight tooth and nail, which was also attached to the head. Well, mm-hmm. tooth part anyway, um, wanted to say, but this doesn't make any sense. So why? Like, why am I crying? Stop. Why yeah. are you feeling? Stop. And I meet with my girlfriends every week, my close, um, tight girlfriends, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. And we have our weekly, we call it our inner cabinet or women's oh, group. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, what are we, what's really going on? Cause our unit, our couples are so connected and the guys are so connected and the, the men meet yeah. in the men's group too, also on Thursdays. And so it's, yeah. it's like our, our, our reoccurring thing. And I remember goals. when I was, those are goals. Yeah. They, yeah, that was the work when we first landed in Austin, that was definitely the work is like find our people and not just find community to hang out with, like our people, people. Yeah. 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 And I remember sitting in women's circle and I'm like, immediately when it was my turn to share, just immediately crying and like I, tears are just coming out of my eyes. And I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what it's for, but I'm just letting it happen. And there were yeah. so many times where I like, okay, like enough, you have things uh-huh. to do. <laughs> You know, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, it's, we want to put meaning and story on it. And I always tell people, do you need a story as to why you're crying? Do I need to read you some headlines? Do you need a reason? Because if, if you're just even a little bit aware, either like consciously or energetically as to the great suffering that occurs in this world and that has been for a long time, there are a trillion reasons to cry. So, you know, if you need to choose one, just put a post-it on your computer that says, today I'm crying because 10 animals became extinct today. Okay, great. <laughs> Give yourself that. <laughs> like, there's a lot to cry about. So, like, let's forget about trying to make it have meaning. And another thing that, you know, I, I really thought about that bothers me and that, that when I see women crying, and I saw this when I was on the show, Too Hot to Handle. Well, first off, the women did not want to... Um, to express emotion. And they were all like, Oh my God, I don't want to have to feel in front of people and da da da. Anyway, they, they ended up getting through it, bless their hearts. But mm-hmm. like this tendency for women to cry and to fan their tears, I'm like this, you know, on a somatic level, um, watching a woman go like this while she's having a, an emotional experience looks like some strange flapping bird. You know, it's like, what is the deal with this? Yeah. And it's like, is that the best? It's like, if you really want to draw, if you're worried your face is wet, you can just go like this. But there's something about being like, get it away, get it off me. Yeah. Um, and I see it even in women who are like dabbing the tear as it falls from their eyeball because it's like, don't get it away fast. 
And so the tears are these gorgeous, I, I think of them as these soul drops, these dew drops from the depths of our being. And one practice that I sit with, with women, I'm like, just let the tears fall. Do not touch them. Do not wipe them. Do not fix. Do not do anything to stay open and let it just flow through you. And like, if they contract around them or they hide them, I'm like, come back to openness, come back to openness, come back to openness, because there's so much it's like, it's like inherent shame and denial, like the denial, right? The fanning is like a denial, like get it off me, get it away. Or the shame of like women who just hide behind their hands when they start crying. I don't know if you see that, but I see oh, yeah. this too in retreats and this and that. I'm like, love, pull your hands down, take a deep breath, you know, because it's like, ah, the amount of work that it takes to untrain ourselves to just feel is just, it's big. It's yeah. big. Yeah, because in those moments, whenever they're feeling the sadness and whatever has brought them to tears, they're now also imposing blame, shame, guilt, whatever the the soup is that they decide to give them a nice ladle of in that moment where it's like, oh, now I'm not, I'm dealing with all these other things and look at me. Right. And, and I, when you did that motion with your hands kind of flapping, it also makes me think a little bit of if it were a, like a, a parent or someone that was like, stop doing that. You know, right. it's kind of the reverse of like them shooing it That's almost like yeah. stop doing that. Like, oh, oh, get it away. Shoo it away. I'm OK. Right. It's fine. I'm going to yeah. breathe through it. But they don't actually it's a very shallow, like, you know, kind of breath right. to it. So. But that's true that 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 will part of the conditioning, of course, a huge part comes through the parent, of course, of course, of course. And so I definitely had that. My dad was totally terrified of my tears. And when they came out, he'd be like, get away, go in your room and um, bless his heart. Now he's he's 80. And so his testosterone has dropped because men, you know, as they age, a certain age, their testosterone drops. And so now he cries. And tears drop from his eyes and he doesn't hide. And it's like, it's such a beautiful thing to watch a Brazilian man who was born in 1941, super macho, like become a softie and like, see what goes around comes around, honey. Right. And I bet that there's like, <laughs> I understand you now <laughs> on some level. Yeah. But uh, so basically this is, this is it y'all. This is, you know, if you want to have an epic sex life and you want to have deeply fulfilling relationships in order to have a deeply fulfilling relationship, you would have to be open to, you get to be open to the full range of the emotional, human emotional experience, the whole spectrum. So if you want to feel like you have a really great, solid relationship with your partner and you get great communication, all that, it's going to take you to feel your fucking feelings, which is a total for some people rewiring of their nervous system and reparenting of the inner child and then finding out the new desires and boundaries and then figuring out how to be able to communicate it. It is really deep work to say you want to do a little course here, like get a little therapy there. It is an ongoing, really long, delicious, beautiful, worthwhile journey. Yeah. 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 And time. the, when you were saying that people, you know, you see them and they see, they seem to be like disembodied. Um, right. I would love kind of in our last little portion of, of our chat here, if someone were like, okay, so here's some of the things you mentioned, breath work, you mentioned crying. And I said, women's circles and all these things. Um, what would be some other other things that come to mind that people could maybe look into because not everybody, you know, I do, I am open about the fact that I've taken my mind altering substances or substances that will shift consciousness, whether that's plant medicine, Jordan and I have talked about MDMA, you know, journeys together and 
Yeah. Uh, you know, all of that. And so some people, even though I've spoken about it, they might not be ready for that. Yeah, totally. Um, it's not for everyone. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And so, um, you know, breath that is free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. also uh, a way that I think a lot of people don't understand. They're like, okay, we'll just breathe, but it's yeah. so powerful. And so anything mm-hmm. else other than maybe those few things. Yeah. Well, first I do want to just touch on what you just said about how this impacts your sex life and your relational, just like your love, your ability to love and be yeah. loved. So like, I think as women, like if we're hard in a sense, and I say that in more of like a metaphorical sense, like if we're, if we're close to life, we're too busy, we don't have the space to feel our feelings. We're not, you know, we're walking in like a lot of straight lines and staccato sentences instead of like, you know, gorgeous curves and soft languorousness, right? It's like a real, you can feel the archetypal qualities of like busy straight line, get things done, linear, linear, linear. Right. And there's not a lot of sex there for me personally, but when it slows down and there's more space and there's movement to the spine and the hips and the belly, there's less angularity, there's more softness and juiciness to me. that's where good sex is going to live and good love, right? Like good love is not going to live in like my little box of like, I only have space from two to three to connect with my partner. And then I have to do this because I have to work out and then I have to see this person. And I have, you know, so the reason that we want to feel and to soften is not just because we want to like, Oh, great. I want to feel all of my childhood sadness. Sounds like a party. Right. No, <laughs> can roll over, die, abandon my career, you know? Yeah. No, 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 no. But it's like, but if you don't do a little bit of the heavy lifting and softening, then it's like, you're still having kind of like half awake sex or half present sex or like, your experience of love is coming from your head or projection or fantasy. So it's like, if you can't feel your pussy, your womb, your nuts or balls, whatever you want to call all of our beautiful parts, if you can't feel your heart, if you can't soften your belly, if you don't know how to soften your jaw, the birds are chiming in, soften your jaw. Like if you don't know how to do that, then like you can't, have beautiful erotic connection and love you're not open to it you're only like half open right so the the reason that i am passionate about this more embodied feminine approach which again can apply to anyone of any gender expression experience to me it, it has an archetypal feminine quality because it comes from this birth womb blood god's grandma like there's so much kind of archetypal um texture in there so but that can apply to anyone who wants to resurrect that within themselves but the re- but if we don't do that then we're living from that automated autonotron is that a word automatron <laughs> zombie whatever you want to call it <laughs> like we're living from that sleepness and you can put a vibrator on your clit and probably like rub one out from that sleepness but you're not going to have like this full body heart open like just deep yummy experience of love and sex and orgasm so when people want to talk about like let's talk about orgasm first or sex first i'm like no let's talk about your embodiment first let's talk about your feelings first let's talk about how much space you have in your schedule first let's talk about like how you're working out first let's talk about what kind of practices you're doing how you're eating because if all of that is coming from this super type a or hardened or masculine or whatever you want to call it experience then like 
you got to deal with that first before you talk about wanting to have good, juicy love and juicy sex, right? So it's like the, the, the reason that we want to, that I want to call women into this ability to soften and like put your damn calendar aside for a minute and take a day and like let your body be curvy and soft and melty and dance for your partner in the kitchen on your hands and knees and like you create this devotional act of love within your body because if it's not happening inside you then like I said before as above so below your external world is not going to reflect something that's not coming from within. So when people want to just fix from the outside in, that is the old sort of capitalist, like consumeristic mentality. Okay, I'm not having the sex I want. How do I fix it fast? No, honey. Like, that's just a fast fix. It's okay once in a while, of course, but that's not sustainable, right? That's not how we create sustainable, deep love and experience of ourselves and our body. Instead, we have to work from the inside out. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that was where, where the spirits guided me. <laughs> I love where they guided you. That was way better. Yes. Yes. And, and I answer said, your question. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> he answered it as far as I'm concerned. Oh, you asked for other techniques and stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, I like, I, you know, well, that's, the, that's the thing. A lot of people no, I've got do some. exactly. Yes. And, and we can, and I will, I want that answer too, but that just illustrates like so many people that they come to me and they're like, I, I, all I know is that something is off. All I know is right. that I want something other than what I have right here. And I don't really yeah. know where to start. And a lot of times they find their way to me. I really feel like, uh, myself, my team, our community, we are bridges you know, yeah. and if they want to go deeper into say sacred sexuality, they want to go deeper into kink or they want to go deeper into these other aspects that fall under the umbrella of sexual expression, which can yeah. be a lot of different things. Not, not, you know, of course not the act of sex itself. Then I have mentors that I can lead them to, or I have, you know, other connections that if they want to go deeper, but I really resonate with the, I'm going to take your hand from, you know, the matrix that you understand or the world that you understand. And I'm just going to lead you to the other side. And then you decide which direction you want to run in. Um, yeah. But I like that yeah. little bridge there. And so for a lot yeah. of people, it's they conceptually are like, I just know, you know, the, the word no, I just know that this is not what I want. And so they'll come to me. And so what do I need to do? So I will a lot of times give them some things, the technique yeah. or the whatever, because that's where they can start. And then I know yeah. that once they say yes to that thing, or they commit to that thing, then that opens up the more feeling and then they can potentially yeah. surrender into what's after that. Yeah, absolutely. And I go into a lot of this in my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, Heal Yourself, Reclaim Your Voice, Stand in Your Power. Um, there's a lot, of, and I'll just break down a few little things. So creating time in your calendar where you don't have anything planned is super important. And not just once every month or something like that, but like consistently. Also, just taking some time in the morning to connect with your body. I say, I tell women, put on one slow, sensual song every morning, five minutes, look at yourself in the mirror, dance slowly. I'm not talking about bebopping around to, you know, pop music. That's a different practice. That's also really helpful and fun and cultivating of joy, but coming into your body and your, your felt experience and your bodied experience, put on one song, watch yourself in the mirror dance slow and sensually, probably slower than you think. Most women I say slow and they start moving fast. And I'm like, no, slow, like, you know, honey dripping down the side of the bottle, you know? 
So that's one thing you can do kind of once a day and eventually bringing that into doing that for your partner. You know, if you have a date night and you're like, okay, I'm going to put on that one sexy song and just have one experience of being witnessed in my body, in my pleasure, dancing in a devotional act for my partner. I mean, that is still super edgy for me every time, but I love doing it because it's like, fuck, why is it so hard? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, in my book, I had this practice called Surrender Saturdays, where Saturdays I would just be like, Saturday is sacred temple day. I'm going to eat chocolate. I'm going to like wear a silk kimono. I'm going to lay on the floor. I'm going to listen to just beautiful music. I'm going to have a bath. I'm going to light candles. I'm going to create like a, that beautiful ritual towards my feminine being. You don't have to do that for a full day. That was when I was single too, living in LA. And I would just like, that was my practice. But, um, you know, you could do that for an hour every Thursday night where you have your like surrender hour and a half where, you know, you don't plan anything and you go into that really quiet, luxurious, um, gentle zone. So th those are a few practical things you can do for women who are moms. Um, I've worked with so many moms as my clients and I'm like, okay, take the time when you're in the shower to, um, use that as your practice. You got five minutes in the shower every other day alone. Okay, great. That's what we've got. You know, I've also had moms who go get in the car at night in the garage and put on one song and scream and cry to it in the car as their practice of feeling because they don't have any other space to feel that is fine. As long as you give yourself the space it doesn't have to be like, oh my God, I have to do eight hours and my whole life has to change. No, you may feel that your life wants to shift a little and that you want to be less busy and less hard and less kind of rigid and structured. You may find that naturally happens, but it can start with creating these pockets where you relax the rigidity and you'll notice that your body may start to change, you know, and if you've been like, I used to be super turbo, like in New York city, go to like boot camp classes three days a week. And I write about this in my book. My period was off. Like I was not having good sex. I was definitely not a juicy woman. I was a skinny woman. Um, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with being skinny. Um, but you may, you may decide that you don't need to turbo as much in your workouts. You may decide that you want to, engage more in sensual dance. I love the S factor dances, community people there. Like I'm sure there's, I know there's some controversy, but um, the practice itself is really, um, it's a beautiful way of connecting. And I recommend it to a lot of my, my clients as well. So um, those are a few things. And I do get into a lot more little concrete rituals, practices, and examples in my book. So good. Thank you. Ugh. All right. Y'all hope you took notes. For me, um, I went to something called esoteric floor craft the Ooh. other day. It's basically floor fucking. Um, Wait, say, say that again. Floor fucking. Oh. And like, like floor dancing at a club, but yes. this is like the spiritual version. Yes. Like we had a ritual before we did it. There's a, a little studio here. So shout out to the studio that Bryn and I go to in Austin. It's called Minx and Muse. And you walk in and if it's your first time, then they give you a little gift and it's a crystal and a spell. 
Mm. And the whole, the whole studio is black walls and it's very vibey and there's like dripping candles all over. And then there's like the tarot cards, you know, big images of the tarot cards that are kind of on the walls. And you go into the main studio area and the lights go really dark and they're red and you can change the color and they put the la- the music on really loud. And they basically teach you like if you were to go to a strip club and watch a stripper perform and she's going around the pole and there's those times where she's gliding on the floor, going up to people on the edges. So yes. f- esoteric floor craft was like the spiritual mm-hmm. practice of that kind of dancing. Wow. Gorgeous. And wow. I went to it and I was like, here we fucking go. This is when you walk your talk, Lex, when you walk into a room like this and you, and for me as a beginner and I was a dancer growing up. And so if you can five, six, seven, eight it, then I can pretty much break it down. But this is, I'm going to show you two things to do and you do it your way as you, as the music moves through your body. So you must mm. get in touch with your body while also perceiving like you're in this room with new people and it's, you know, all these different factors. And I'm sure if I go the second time, um, I'll enjoy it even more, but I love that. And I remember leaving going, Oh, this is the thing that I wish more women would give to themselves. Yes. It's so beautiful. And being, doing that around other women is so healing. And I mean, you can go to, there's floor dance classes at pool dance studios. Um, there are different, different ones online that you can go to as well. So that is something that is, I found to be so healing is just to be able to be seen in the sexuality, like in your expressed sexual expression without it having there's no reason like it's not you're not trying to seduce you're doing it just to express and to be seen by other women to me has been so beautiful right it's because it's like it's and it's edgy for me like I've danced at a a class essential embodied dance class here in Colorado and I'm like I have to get up in front of all these women and like there's no five, six, seven, eight. I also grew up dancing ballet, super, you know, calculated, controlled. Like there's a routine, you stick to it. But like, I'm like, I have five minutes in front of all these women and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to roll around the ground. I may look like a wild, crazy woman. Yeah. Um, but so cathartic. Even one time after I came home from that class, I just, I cried to my partner and I said, you know, it was really triggering for me tonight because, you know, there's a part of me that comes out that feels like I need to compete or be the best. And there's this like old, you know, kind of professional dancer or performer. And it's sad, you know, to, to, that it, that it still arises in front of other women that we can't just like let ourselves be outside of competition or comparison. And it was so healing to do it anyway. And the next time I did it, I danced to nine inch nails closer and I didn't give a fuck. (laughs) And I came home super lit. My man was like, what are you on girl? (laughs) Yes. Fuck yes. And it's usually that second class. Yeah. The second class. And it was like, just kidding. I, I know what's up you know, first class is like, get me out of here ASAP. This is terrible. First class is like, I thought we were the internal dialogue. Lex, we worked on this. Oh my God. We're, we're good. You're great. You're comfortable in your body. You're comforting your body. Like put your hands on your body. You're good. And there I'm like a robot. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Me too. I know. Yeah. So yeah, we have to also have a sense of humor about all of this. It's not meant to be like some big serious thing. Like it's, you're gonna look dumb sometimes or like, you know, you're gonna have to take some risks, be it emotionally or sexually or essentially. And like, that's just, it's part of it. 
Yeah. Without that, it would just be too serious. Life is it's fun that we get to be silly Absolutely. as well. Yeah, for sure. And this is a little taste of like I went to this class a couple of weeks ago and it sounds like, you know, this had to have been relatively recent for you too. So this is, you know, our journey, our personal journey and into this work specifically. So I would love maybe kind of rounding it out the experiences that you have had very recently, whether that's too hot to handle. And because I know that there was a time when you filmed it and then also the in-between time and then when it actually aired and, you know, some other personal things, the move to Boulder, all of that. What have been some of the standout practices that have been moving you through life very recently mm-hmm. that have helped you with staying embodied, staying connected to yourself, your power, your pussy, nature, your partner, um, and some of that realness? I think a lot of times yeah. whenever I come onto the show and I share some of my real shit that people go, oh, okay, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. You know, the thing that has been the most revolutionary is so interesting to me to say because I'm really wow um (laughs) leaving like leaving my community in LA like my different friends um the world that had come to be really more comfortable for me in in Venice Topanga like just in LA in general and coming into a whole like whole new state and in place without my friends like at first I was like I can do this I'm cool I've got this and then I felt really sad um and then when I moved to Boulder I found out a few weeks later I was pregnant and then we miscarried and my partner was in Europe for part of that time working and I went through so much sadness and depression and loneliness and there was a turning point and it's actually part of the gift of the miscarriage where I was invited to a women's circle and a bunch of coaches and people I know from Instagram and all this stuff. And I thought, Oh, I don't know if I can hack this. I don't know if I can do this, especially right now. I'm super tender went through miscarriage. Like all these girls are going to be like women rather are going to be, you know, and they're like, yeah, joyful, alive. Da, da, da. And I'm like grieving, but I just heard the voice inside of me go anyway. And so I went anyway to this women's circle in a new town new, that I barely know anyone, knew like two women there um, on a day that was a fucking hard day for me, like one of the hardest days. I still went. Um, I told my partner, I was like, I've got to just do this. I just, you can't be my everything. Like I need other women to hold me in this moment. When I got to the circle, like I sat in the middle of the circle, there was a moment where we were sharing and I went in the middle of the circle and I let all of these women, not only let them, I asked them to hold me and to let me cry in their arms and press their wounds against my womb. And, um, you know, that may sound kind of silly or out there for some people, but, um, it wasn't, (laughs) it was really gorgeous and deep and meaningful, but I could feel the moment in the circle where I was like, I can either share or not share. And if I'm seeking community and togetherness, and if I don't want to feel lonely anymore, if I don't want to feel isolated anymore, if I want more love, if I want more togetherness, intimacy, et cetera, I have to open to it. I have to speak up. And it's such a small thing, but I would say to everyone, are you really being vulnerable? Are you really sharing your heart with people around you? Or are you only sharing it with your one person, right? That's not enough. Your one person or your two people, you know, your, your mom, your partner, whatever, it's not enough. Like how often do you put your heart on the line and say, Hey, I'm going to invite five more people into my heart. 
I'm going to open it up. And I'm not saying do that with everybody everywhere because discernment is very important. However, in today's age, isolation is something that we're we're getting closer and closer to. Like we're becoming more comfortable with being isolated and apart from each other. And so it's going to become a more and more important practice for us to go, no, I'm going to share what I'm going through. I'm going to say that I'm depressed. I'm going to say that I'm alone. I'm going to say that I'm going through in my case of miscarriage instead of holding it back. But even me, someone who's been sharing for 20 years, I've been in movies, I've been in vice shows, I've been in my you know book, all this stuff. Even me, it was hard to share. It's hard to put my heart out there and go, I don't know how these women are going to react. But I was met with so much love, so much outpouring of love and community and, and connection that I came home fucking lit and feeling like I could get through it. And that was such, if, if, you know, that was such a huge lesson for me. It was like, don't do it alone. Don't think that you have to be strong on your own. Don't strong woman your way through everything. Fuck that shit. That's the old kind of way of thinking we have to do things alone. And we have to kind of just muscle our way through and keep calm and carry on and smile. That's some old puritanical white people crap. You know, it's just like, keep it, keep it together. Keep it sweet. No. If we're going to create more community and togetherness in these times that we're in, we have to stay open and vulnerable with each other and real and be real about what's hurting, what's confusing us, what's like really um, edging inside of us. Again, being discerning about where you share that, what that sacred space is for you but not holding it on your own, especially as women. So if I can really share one thing, it's that like, let's not forget the power of community and connection and togetherness, especially in these times. (sighs) Yes, yes, yes. And yes, I've individually had the, the women who were my bridesmaids the the community that I have here in Austin that I have painstakingly continuously shown up for the commitment that I have with my partner that I'm getting ready to get married to the future father of my children all of that I have made those commitments to these people too and mm-hmm. that that has been hard in a way because going from like not having that many people in connection and community to being devoted to other humans and and their growth and their relationship and supporting them and again being discerning to who those people are, just like yeah. I was discerning when I chose my partner and then looking in the face of people going, I'm here anytime you need me. And I'm really here. I'm an unbiased ear in some ways, most as unbiased as I possibly can be. Um, and I'm rooting for you and your relationship. And there are things that I won't stand for in the way that you show up in the, or the way that you you know might communicate. And so, and that is for your greater good. And I'm going to be a sacred mirror. And I make promises to you that I the Leo in me is like very loyal and all of those things. And, um, and I'm going to help you raise your babies and I'm going to cry with you when it's fu- when it fucking sucks. And you'll never have to go to your car at the end of the day to cry alone. Fuck that. We've all done that so many times though. And bless everybody. Yeah. 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 For sure. I hear that. And um, yeah. it's been so miraculous and, and magical. And I say it, I've had all yeah. these people come onto their show and I've shared it so many times that one of the major things that has impacted my relationships and my sex life has actually been pulling community in so that my partner isn't my everything. And so that I can yeah. open up to just open up my heart and open up my, uh, just everything 
to other people and it's just transformed. And so I'm in this moment, I'm just, I'm so excited for you, inspired by you and Mm -hmm. um, wishing you just all of the goodness that community has to offer in Boulder and that your people find you and you find them and you get to create everything that you want and more. And you just continue getting juiced up because your magic in the world is really potent and really powerful. And if you can transform the lives of a bunch of people who are on a pretty basic dating show that they, where they couldn't have sex. I don't know if I transformed them, but I think I gave them a little, a little, a little jolt. Zing, 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 zing. That's where it started for me. I imagine it's where it starts for a lot of people. It's like a little tiny seed when someone in passing is like, you need to read the power of now. I'm like, it's boring. You know, fast forward eight, 10 years. And I'm like, oh my God, you name a book that's changed your life more than anything. I'm like the power of now. <laughs> so it has, it has to start somewhere, you know, it does. Yeah. So, so, so much. Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with? No, I'm just love, lovely chatting with you and, um, really appreciated this conversation. Yeah. I hope that people, um, get something out of it and it just touches some hearts and please feel free to connect with me, um, on social media or DM or anything. I'm open and available and discerning about what, what works and what doesn't work, but also super available. And please check out my book if you don't have it or haven't read it. Um, fuck like a goddess. Mm-hmm. And also I have a podcast called the Holy Fuck Podcast, um, which is kind of new. I think what, what month is <laughs> it's only a few months old. So right. baby. Um, and I think that's about it. And you can follow me on Instagram at Alexandra Rock. So absolutely. And and I know, so even you just sharing the those vulnerable, sweet parts of you, um, even regarding the miscarriage and your move to Boulder and all of those things, I know that there's much more to the story. And we on the show have not dug into that yet. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that at some point you're so poetic in your writing. So y'all, please follow her on Instagram. There's these every other day, daily dose, whatever it is, of whether it's poetry or it's just um, mm. what I appreciate in a, in a brand, what makes a really good magnetic brand and person for that matter is mm. when, um, there is, it's not just a little behind the scenes here, a little behind the scenes there We're pe- it's the whole curtains pulled. And it's mm. like, here is a piece of my soul for you to take with it, what you will. And I really appreciate the way that, that you convey your messages on social media. It feels really true. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I, I do, um, or I will tell the whole story of my miscarriage because it was such a portal, an initiation. Um, so many women go through it too, like so many. And so I want to share also some of the decisions I had to make and um, some of the information that took a while for me to find. Um, so there's different levels on the practical, on the emotional, on the spiritual, on the sexual, and um, that'll be coming. I'll share it in like a podcast form on my podcast and then probably as a piece of writing because I'm a writer first and foremost. So I love I love writing. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm going to go ahead and and like mark my calendar for that too because uh-huh. like I said we're looking to to start a family in the, you know, sometime in 2022 at least conception anyway. And so part of that journey is listening to other people's experiences even if it's the experience that I don't necessarily want to have because I want to hear how they have either rallied or surrendered or moved through it and then become better for it and all those things. So I can't wait to hear more of that too. Y'all follow, listen, subscribe, whatever the thing is, get her book, Magical Creature, who is walking the talk, Alexandra Roxo. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your voice with us. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.